0: Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Film Critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, this time from her bedroom in Cannes. We no are funny sitting stuff, on the I bed. <laughs> but we are actually on a bed in Cannes, and it's, it's about 1 a.m. here, a little past that, which is the perfect time in by Cannes standards for talking in serious ways about the film industry. No, because... it's not.
1: We should be out at the Grand having a drink talking to people about what's going on. Well, and we are so dedicated to our work and our obligation because we have put this thing off for several days <laughs> that we tore ourselves away from the potential fun we could be having
0: well, and fun came
1: back to the room. And
0: relative tomorrow we morning we
1: have 8.30 movies. We'll see another movie.
0: We squeezed in a rosé with a friend of ours in the film biz before we came back here, so we are freshly... Uh, filled with intel and, and all kinds of ideas about things that are going on here. And you know the one thing that I really like about Cannes is that it's so dense that in a day or two, you can feel like you've absorbed so much That's true. about what's going on now. What is the zeitgeist of how people watch movies, how people talk about movies, and what are some of the anxieties that the film industry is facing? I mean, this whole thing about Amazon, for example, has people coming from multiple directions. It's interesting,
1: because we were talking to one of Amazon's distribution competitors, a conventional theatrical distributor, and in the course of one year, and I mean, we've all observe, observed this, you know, I mean, it, it, we were at Sundance when Roy Price first brought in Ted Hope and, and Bob Burney to, to take over the, the film side, and now, um, a year a year later at Sundance, they bought like six movies, and now they're here at Cannes with five films in the selection and the um, presence of a big pocketed player like that, including the opening night movie, including Woody Allen's Cafe Society. So let's talk about this. Cafe Society. Nice reviews. You liked it so, very well, um, more than me actually, more, more yeah, I mean more it's, than it's, I did. And but you know, I recognize recognized how well made it is. And, and so so it's a it's
0: a it's a fun Woody movie that's not doing anything you haven't seen before. It's cobbled it's together from a lot
1: of his old elements. Sure,
0: but that's just the way that he does movies now. But it, I mean, it looks good. I mean, Vittorio
1: it's a, delivers, and yeah. it's his first digital movie. Yeah. Which is good, but
0: he he said he, you heard it at this lunch that he made this movie for thirty million dollars. No, 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 no. Right? He
1: denied that he made it for thirty. Thirty was the figure that I've been told by some very good sources. reliable sources, and he was willing to cop to high twenties and used the line, which was rather remarkable, actually, if you think about it, that he couldn't raise. $30 million for a movie if he sold his wife on the open market. He actually said well, that. Well, <laughs> he's a great mentor of
0: one-liners who doesn't have a great moral compass. But, uh, but he's as-
1: under duress. He's been chastised by his son, again, who can't seem to abide... Uh, a cover story in The Hollywood Reporter. Before and, we
0: get to that, though, this, we were talking about the Amazon thing, so in relation to Cafe Society, very expensive by Woody Allen standards. But
1: the scandal that has overshadowed the mm. movie is part of what they're upset about. Right. This is supposed to be a great big launch right? Of a very and successful need, movie. And they need
0: it to really work to yes, show they because do. they spent... So much money on it, and they did, and they off. did
1: well. They did well. So he, you know, and that's how they got it away from Sony Classics, which you know would have had it, but they never would have spent that kind of money. And it went over budget. and He had to put his own money into it, and so forth.
0: Um, but you're suggesting that the the scandal, which at this point is basically a six month uh, commitment, because every time a Woody Allen movie comes up, Ronan Farrow could write another op-ed. I don't I mean, know that's, if
1: that's true. I, I think that it has been true that he cannot stand his father getting any kudos and he'll he'll come, he's he's done this before um the conversation the is whether it sticks. yeah
0: i mean does it i mean george Mark, Clooney
1: basically took it over in the, in the in the news cycle already today with money monster press conference calculated conversation. When he, when about he has that power, Donald Trump.
0: He can he can get political and hijack even the the most zeitgeisty thing in the air at the moment. But um, An I,
1: audible gasp went up from from the people in the room when he said Donald Trump will not be president.
0: Because his delivery's so good, he's an actor. And so is Donald Trump. On some but he on some actually, way. I think,
1: don't you think that George has some political bona fides that people actually sort of take him seriously on the liberal side of the equation?
0: He's great at enunciating certain things in the way that a lot of actors who tend to get political don't say, what's going to happen with Sean Penn next Friday when yeah, he does really. his press conference or something like that. So One there's a the few unsold movies. So people can probably tell just the way that we ramble through this stuff, just how... Shifts so much it can. It well, it's chaotic. You know, it
1: gets crazy. We're juggling schedule. You know, you and I were just talking. You're not. You're not going to see this movie. I didn't get to see that right. movie. You. You have this sort of fantasy of, of a jigsaw puzzle schedule of of all the things you're going to cram in, and all the. But then you have to write them, and it takes longer to write them than you thought. Longer right. for me than it takes for you, apparently.
0: Well, you know, it's just the trick of the trade, but there is this kind of visceral illustration. Through the difficulty of seeing as much as you want to see, of just how cluttered the marketplace is, and how difficult it is for anybody who's tasked with the job of getting these movies seen outside of a bubble like can to actually do that, which is why we have IFC and Amazon with the movies that they pre-bought. Kino pre-bought a movie we still haven't seen yet called uh, Slackjaw that's screening tomorrow, the, and and they hadn't seen it when they bought it. Slack Bay. Slack Bay from Bruno Dumont with with Juliette Binoche, and so there there is something about kind of just the uncertainty of this festival that shows you how much it's disconnected from the way that movies actually exist outside of this place.
1: No, there's this very strange um, disconnect between all these movies that are actually being bought and whether or not, I mean, the, the the thing that still has to be shown is how they are playing and how critics are receiving them and whether they have any awards potential or whether there's really going to be any purchase for them in the Fall Film Festival you know, uh, Derby, you know, there's, there's only so many slots for movies that are going to really go the, the distance. But it's
0: early enough in the year that it can be a barometer for what these power players should do rather than what will happen. So if a movie bombs here and it's not say a completely terrible movie, Maybe it's a sign that somebody just needs to do a reboot in the next few months. They have that, or put huh? it off
1: until the following. Or put end. it off,
0: or decide let's not spend money on awards campaign. Or send
1: it out in the summer. I mean, you know, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna see whether the the hands of stone is worth is worth checking or out.
0: loving, which is focus features. with Jeff Nichols could be an awards movie. Could not be an awards movie.
1: So we have the new focus team. Here in can and we can talk more about
0: that. It's very pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean they'll they'll be throwing a, a little shindig here, as many different kinds of people do. And you know, Amazon itself has a party that they're building up to because they still have so many things that they have to show. The BFG will be so, uh, Disney's big shindig after that movie shows up, and I'm sure they have high hopes for that to play really well here.
1: But let's talk about the Johnny Foster movie. I really thought it was her best Money movie today. Monster. Well. As That's a director. Is that a
0: big statement right there? No, I don't know. she's
1: always made movies that I would give a B-plus for good, competent, well-made well without done. going outside the box.
0: Well, but what is the box? I mean, The Beaver was a very unconventional character study. And about, she got a
1: great performance yeah. out of Mel. I've actually liked The Beaver. What I couldn't understand was how she could make a movie like that and put all that time and energy and effort into it and give it that title. Like, hello... What were
0: you thinking? Uh, well, from a commercial standpoint, it probably did well in VOD. You know, ranks higher. But uh, then the whole Crazy Mel thing happened around then anyway. Or it was Crazy it was Mel Part timing. 2 or something yeah. like that. So there's a lot of different factors that held that movie down. I don't know what to make of Jodie Foster as a filmmaker. I think Money Monster doesn't seem like it has a real director's imprint. It's a very slick studio production. It's a hostage drama that's trying to be contemporary, although... A lot of what it's doing with Clunius is, uh Jim Cramer esque stock market predictor feels a little stale to me, to be honest. A no, lot of the, it didn't bother me. the Occupy Wall Street aggression is maybe a few years old in that respect. But is it outside of that, it was a few that, years
1: old when, with The Big Short too. But
0: right? tonally, I couldn't quite figure this movie out. From a satiric standpoint, it's a little thin. But if you don't, if you put the satire element aside, this I don't idea of so, okay, so let's element. say it's not satire, it's it's just pure it's suspense. St- it's
1: more like The Inside Man or or. Uh... But um, the inside
0: man, I do find to be uh, much more vibrant. Yeah, despite it, himself. it's got that great New York humor to it in, in certain ways. I, I didn't think this was clever enough. Maybe it's more of a screenplay problem. I, I, I'm, I don't want to dish on it too much because I do think that it it's well made.
1: I actually think it it's going to do along. well. I think it's going to fit a certain niche in the market that isn't getting fed. What is that niche? Very much the adult. Moviegoer who wants a good time at a good solid commercial entertainment—it's not an art film. It shouldn't be, you know, considered something that would be in competition. It's a commercial Hollywood movie with some uh, meat on its bones.
0: Well, I'm not going to give it a pass because of that. <laughs> well, I like the Woody Allen. Why movie is it more. in
1: can? It's in can because it's a marketing launch for the whole world. Of course, that's why i in Cannes. Studio can. relationships and you've got huge movie stars going up sure. the red carpet and to have stuff. Uh, so it's certainly it. fulfilled. Those can quotients, as many films have in the past. Yeah. But I don't think it should be sl- slagged because it's not, you know, an art film.
0: Okay, but Give it I'm what a can, it it's, so... It's, 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 <laughs>
1: yes, you are, but it can is what it is.
0: Yeah, well, this morning I saw this mo- this movie from Alan Girardi, which I know you didn't see, but uh, but I have to say it's, it's worth noting that it's the other end of the spectrum. A competition film, uh, it's called... Uh, now now the, the title is escaping me because uh, it's been hours and hours since I last saw it. A vertical. And, ah, thank you. Uh, staying vertical. Thank you. Uh, I, I in my mind, I was thinking something with an R because rest or vertical is a, is a French title and that's how they listen on the schedule. the thing you should realize
1: so, while we're talking today is that I actually had a good night's sleep. Actually, I needed it so badly because I hadn't had a good night's sleep for like three nights.
0: Sleep's overrated. You
1: have not had a good night's because sleep. Because I'm in cinema
0: mode. Cinema doesn't work when you're asleep. tired. (laughs) But okay, so I forgot the title. Staying Vertical, you're going to hear more of it. I think somebody's going to take it out of this festival and give it a bit of a life. I'm not calling it a masterpiece, but it's got vision. Uh, Just like the way that it looks at this guy who's dealing with various elements of his repressed emotions and sexuality through a very dreamlike kind of process where he meets this woman in the middle of nowhere, kind of has a kid with her and she goes away and then he kind of has a relationship with her dad. It gets It's pretty transgressive stuff, but, it, but it's really well made. I mean, it's just, I never knew where this movie was going.
1: Wasn't there so, someone in this movie who got fucked
0: to death? Yeah, it's a, a, a touch of a, of a spoiler, so I won't go into too much more detail, but it involves a Pink Floyd song and uh, never would have predicted seeing something like that on film. Certainly not at 8.30 in the morning, which is a uniquely canned kind of experience. But I love that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, a, it's not to say that, you know, th- this movie is pornographic per se. It's that this scene is there to some degree to have an effect on you viscerally in, in many different kinds of ways. To, the shock value can be applied in different kinds of ways that I think are creative. And so are today at the,
1: at the lunch, at the Woody Allen lunch, Allen lunch down, lunch down, lunch down, at the lunch down at the car, sitting there at the table as Woody and Kristen and all these people came through, and the word they that one of them used to describe this movie it was that it was a queer movie. In the sense, not that it was a gay movie, but that it has a sensibility that is queer. We had an interesting conversation with Jesse Eisenberg about the distinction between gay and queer. Well,
0: he's not somebody I would really lean on for a clear distinction he was asking he was (laughs) asking the
1: gay journalist he put it to the journalist
0: that's very interesting well i think you know the challenge with these kinds of conversations is that they need to be applied to the right kinds of things to me it's like i'm not going to talk about a woody allen movie in those terms because Woody Allen is just so far removed from anything that seems to open itself up to that kind That's of That's true, meaning. for sure. So it just feels like just you're... Ta-
1: We're just talking about vertical lim-
0: lim- Staying vertical? Yeah. So, I mean, it is a, it is a queer film. Uh, he's a, a gay filmmaker who I think is applying a queer gaze to certain ways of looking at society. Okay. So that that counts for something that's for probably from a commercial standpoint there is also a market for that That it's, is true. as much of a niche as it is is it
1: artfully arcane uh
0: i think your label <laughs> might may indeed uh, apply <laughs> in this case which which is great because we'll you have think more I like it's it's well it's it that's the test isn't it and then something like son of Saul comes along like last year and it tops both of our top 10 lists so
1: we are capable of being on the same page
0: so i saw Lazo Nemish. Last night at the opening dinner, he's actually the director of Son of Saul, who was here last year in competition, now gets to just hang out and watch movies for 10 days because he's on the jury. And I find the canned jury to be fascinating here. You have, you know, Kirsten Dunst, and George Miller is the president, and Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, it's like this Avengers dream team It's a fantastic jury. And then you
1: have Arnaud Desflachins as well. He could hijack the whole thing. with, With Nemesh, they seem to be sort of... In the same, yeah, universe. they give a certain,
0: certain cinephile sensibility, yeah. and they match it with yeah, A-list actors. And... Yeah,
1: and and then the, then you have the actresses, you know, Vanessa Paradis, and, they, and they're so funny because they all talk about they, oh, it's about emotion and it's about you know feeling strongly, and you could sort of see how how the the, the votes but luckily Valeria Galina is also a director and she has a brain you
0: know <laughs> <She's-> <laughs> well, hopefully they all have brains because they're going to come in handy over the next 10 days I mean even though you can these just see people, how the
1: men are, are, I don't know how to explain it to you, they're dominant. Well, don't
0: forget George Miller is a, fe- a pretty well-known feminist at this point. He's got his, his street cred in that respect. So hopefully he'll apply the same approach he did with uh, Mad Max to the way that he runs his jury. So Jeff Lachlan is
1: very uh, artful at the jury uh panel, he, he, he praised, he said, the kinds of, they always ask the same question, what are you looking for in a competition right. winner, you know, and he goes, I want to see movies like Son of Saul and Mad Max, you know, wah,
0: wah. Uh, just get another good yeah. side so, early but, so they don't each really change and,
1: throats, and I, I want to see movies that make me believe in the future of cinema, you know, the, yeah,
0: whatever, I'd just be like, I'll, I'll know when I see it, you know, I mean, what, how can you possibly address a question like that because the, the method by which these people are going to select a movie that is going could have a real effect on its life beyond this festival and the filmmaker's career is so arbitrary I mean it's just who knows
1: that was Nemish Nemish actually said it's one of the most random things you know if we have this particular jury or another jury it could have a completely different. Outcome. And he's thinking about his own
0: experiences because he could have won the Palme d'Or last year. And
1: then there was uh, Kirsten Dunst saying that if it weren't for Can, Son of Saul wouldn't have had the trajectory that it did. And thank God that Terry Freeman, who is absolutely uh, no tr- notorious for being conservative about anointing new auteurs, had the sense. To recognize that Son of Saul, from a rookie from a first timer needed to be in the competition. Well let's talk
0: about that for a second. Ex- Thierry Fermot does not exist in a vacuum, right? The director of Cannes is the face of Cannes in a lot of ways. But there is a programming committee and there are people there are outside influencers who who are really playing critical roles and, in I saw
1: Maraval.
0: and Maraval from Wild Bunch, for example. All, but it all could these be somebody like
1: people. it could be somebody like Richard Klubeck at UTA I mean it could right. be you know somebody like that ramming Southland tails down their throat you know before it was ready
0: right well so this year UTA is repping David Mackenzie's film Hell or High Water which I'm really excited Me to too. see it's a western yeah so the, the the thing that I really find intriguing about Cannes is that you have this competition and so much emphasis placed on it and the media follows the narrative of the competition. Because it is one. And yet Even there's Even Woody more. Allen
1: says the competition is bad. But
0: there is more beyond, the, the On Some Regard stuff, the director's Fortnite, I mean, can turns the competition films into the rock stars, and the other ones are kind of like, you know, the crowd below or something. But there, there is a much more complex ecosystem than I think a lot of the press coverage suggests. Well, one of the
1: stories that we ran in, uh, IndyWire, uh, which I read and, and approved of to a degree, I have slight quibbles with some of it, but just because uh, it has to do with the idea that the numbers and the math that that Terry came up with to say that there were X number of, of women's pictures in the competition and in the selection, so three really three women add,
0: directors. Uh, in competition that's the thing that i think gets people most up.
1: so there's 21 competition films and the percentage is now he's saying well that matches up with what the percentage is in real life well the truth of the matter is it doesn't
0: dude your math sucks and also
1: independence in the in the universe of independence they're much higher yeah it's a
0: that's a horrible answer because it's just so no matter what it's not our fault
1: it's their fault yeah it's
0: you 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 have to it's so
1: obvious that they've Taken films over the years that totally like the Co last year was totally worthy of being in the competition in my opinion. And it's view. like opening night. Well just give it opening night. That's a that's enough for that film. That makes me mad.
0: There is some kind of disconnect where I, I don't I don't know if it's the culture or, or certain attitudes, but something about the idea of a women woman director. It's like it's treated as an exotic concept even when they, even when they do make it into the line, I mean when was so the last So there's a big one? when
1: they did check on in Cinema Jane Campion was the only woman there she right. was with her beautiful white hair the only woman
0: in this room
1: full of men and it represented winners of the Palm d'Or over right. the history right. of Cannes, and she was the one. She's the one. And, and you know, and in, and in our world, in Hollywood, Catherine Bigelow fulfills that, that function. You know, the one woman is, you know, along with the, you know, the others have been nominated, but the winner of the Oscar for Best Directing you know
0: just one
1: and so and so you have you know Alice Winokur who had a terrific film last year that was in on certain regard I would have argued that Natalie Portman's movie they put it in on Sautant Regard for a good reason which was to protect her from what turned out to be fairly negative reviews
0: It's a good point bringing up Winnetar because she was just selected by uh, Film Society of Lincoln Center to be their filmmaker in residence this fall and they've done that four years and I believe three of them have been women fantastic Nina Rachel Tsunkari uh, they had Ezra Arnold filmmaker. All is back filmmakers. here. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things where even though it's exasperating to keep talking about this and the occasional obnoxious commentator surfaces in an IndieWire article to say we're being too PC, I do think that we have to continue to remind people that there are plenty of women filmmakers. There are plenty of all kinds of filmmakers, and an inclusive programming style should, is not going to come at the expense of quality because the uh, quality is definitely there yeah. and that's something that a lot of people have been talking about all over the place
1: and and could there be you know a, a, a little more hard work put in, toward finding where where the where these films are i mean when i was when i was in that we we talked about this when i when i was doing the program the uh, jury for the AFI fest uh, the new um it was the new auteur. Yeah, yeah, like we were on that together, and It was I great. It was great. You and I did that together. I gave a vision was... prize to the tribe. That's right. Like and, that. and that wonderful uh, Mexican film I liked. Um, Gueros. Gueros. But anyway, there were, there were some great women filmmakers in yeah. that group. And there are there many of them all over the world. And somehow Ken isn't trawling nearly as aggressively as they might be.
0: I mean, it's also not showcasing virtual reality it hasn't created a tv section i mean it hasn't changed a lot of stuff but there's over something the years. sweet
1: about that actually the other film festivals have all jumped into it and this remains the pure you wrote about this the yep. pure the pure cinephile festival
0: which which i find also fascinating because from a business standpoint it's not wise per se to just focus on the feature length format i mean the movies and competition are disproportionately long A lot of them are over two hours or close to three, like they're really trying to prove their weight. Um, But it's also, it it feels like it's a statement on what movies are in relation to these other kinds of related media that we talk to. How much currency is that going to have the more and more that TV becomes this dominant media, that other kinds of digital technologies impact how we watch things on the internet and so forth? I find
1: it lovely. I find find the old-fashioned... Uh, variety. I mean Todd McCarthy God forbid I should mention the Hollywood reporter uh wrote a I story that, that was that they had a great issue I'm sorry they just did I mean variety did a great issue too a can you know opening issue
0: and war's is killing it and yeah, we're killing it <laughs> online
1: dudes and we're killing it but they uh the, his piece was you know very sweet looking back on the sort of you know, what it was like in the old days and, and how much of a smaller, uh, kind of intimate, accessible community it was. It is, it is, you know, even if we have really good access, it's not like it used to be. In the old days, imagine that you had to make all your appointments without, a, without an iPhone or, or, or texting or, or any, you know, these people can instantly reach you and tell you that the appointment that you slotted into your jigsaw puzzle of a schedule has got to be moved
0: right you know right and
1: and so on and um, the instant
0: reactions to things right which can kill a movie too 140 characters can have an impact on how people decide whether or not they want to see a movie around here because our schedules are so crazy that it's sort of like oh there's another screening of this thing let me check twitter to see <laughs> if like anybody cared about it earlier today and then one person says it was lame and you're like i'm tired so let's
1: talk about the ken loach
0: yeah, Ken Loach. So Ken Loach said he was, was an retiring. Example. That was
1: an example now of something back. where everybody was telling us to see it, right? So,
0: I, Daniel Blake, that's true. It screened earlier today, and we were trying to say, should we go to the later screening or not? I mean, Ken Loach, We've kitchen seen it on
1: some and third level, and we like him. And lo
0: and behold, we have him. seen this movie, I think, in some ways before, but it's it's one of it the best great. ones he's done in a while. was great. Great. I don't know. I don't Cheer want to. Chair over- jerker,
1: forehand Yeah. A, a, in the she,
0: she did cry. I can attest to it. I definitely did. <laughs> and it, and you know, it's, it's about a sweet old guy basically trying to get his, what, what, I guess it's basically more of a Clint pump.
1: Eastwood type though. Not so sweet.
0: Well, he's not too he's gritty. He's
1: masculine.
0: He's masculine. He's paternal. He's a he's he's carpenter. He's a yeah.
1: builder. He's, he's a guy who's been working his whole life and he's had a heart attack and he can't get a job and it's all it sort of it reminded me a little bit of the last days of of Mr. Lazarescu what was that called
0: Uh, yeah well that you you nailed it the death the death of Mr. Lazarescu from Christy Poole who has a movie in competition this year that's not nearly as accessible as, as this Ken Loach film but um,
1: or Mr. Lazar, I loved that movie, The Death of Mr. Lazarus.
0: Yeah, has, I think this is not similar as,
1: impact. This is not as textured it's about the system grinding you
0: down. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a Ken Loach movie. If you've seen Ken Loach movies, he he's, he's great at finding actors. He's got a terrific writing partner, and and the dialogue is very credible. Um, and I do think it's
1: sort of smooth, accessible, accessible, lovely, quotidianity. It's, quotidian it's a way. little,
0: it's a little obvious, and it's and it's didactic. So I, there I is a I'm not holding it against that per se, but I, like I was saying earlier, it's I mean, kind problem. of like yeah. When Nicholas Kristof writes a great op-ed in the New York Times, he threads it into a narrative context, and I do feel to some degree this is what Loach does. It's almost like journalism through fictional storytelling I agree with that. on some level, and um, it's not. I don't think it's airs it isn't anything next so, is a drama. This is a no. bigger,
1: more accessible drama than, say, Jimmy's Hall.
0: Yeah, which, which I liked, yeah. but I
1: knew no I would go it's see
0: It's funny because he said that was going to be his last movie, and now he's saying this is his last movie, and this is a better last
1: How movie. How old is he for
0: real? 80-something or another. People can look it up. But he's been around a while.
1: On that note, we're going to go sleep.
0: <laughs> Supposedly. Once you get me going, you know, I could just keep keep doing it. We could do a special edition. Speaking of which, We're we going are going to. We're going to We're uh, be at the American uh, at Pavilion. At the American Pavilion. If you are in Cannes, you can come on by on Wednesday at 3 p.m. We love
1: meeting come our on, listeners. Come on. We do.
0: Yeah, and especially here at Cannes where we can hear from people all over the world. That's right. Apparently they're out it's there. It's fun. Which is amazing. And we love to get heckled and ask uh, difficult questions. And, come on uh, by. Give yeah, us a hard time. Let's do it. And uh, we'll touch base then.